is it? There will be blood. Those are the words of one Michigan lawmaker with regard to the state's new right-to-work legislation, which is about to be signed into law by the governor. And he was right because today there was violence from those wonderful unions that everybody seems to stick up for and love so much. We'll talk about it. It's December 11th, 2012. He's been shunned by commercial radio. Unable to be bought and paid for by corporate America. And running on the fossil fuel of common sense. For those of us that choose to live dangerously in the radical middle, welcome to the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Now the world is getting older. There's a few things to be said. Do you believe the things they told you? Do you believe the things you read? There's a ruler on the corner, but it's always been denied. Cause they don't want you any wiser. You're just towing the party line from the west side to the east side, from the north side to the south. You'll never get back information if you believe in the word of mouth. High on allergy medicine. That's what I am right now. I love this time of year. I love the temperatures. Generally speaking, love the weather. I wish we would actually get some more rain, which we're supposed to get later in the week. But um, because that would flush out all the crap in the air and it would help me so I don't have to take these damn pills. And it's not like I'm popping allergy meds all over the place. It's just Zyrtec and an occasional Benadryl. That's about all I have. I have a stash of pills in here. I know it's like Rush Limbaugh's house. I have walls of pills, except I'm just taking allergy meds. I'm not popping Vicodin and Oxycontin and whatever the hell kind of crap he was taking all the time. Anyway, so if I seem a little ADD, if I'm totally out of it, I can use that as a scapegoat. It's not that I suck. I mean, I suck, but I can also just blame the allergy meds. That's what I'll do. That's what I, I can blame the last 12 years of my illustrious broadcasting on allergy meds, I suppose. Welcome in the zip code famous Michael Grav show on a Tuesday. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Grav show, AOL Instant Messenger, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F show, AOL Instant Messenger. Grav show on Google Talk. And Michael Groff on Twitter and, of course, for everything else Michael Groff related, where you can post on with your comments, questions, suggestions on this or any of our other podcasts. You can donate to this program, listen to the latest show, sign up, get registered so that every time we post a brand new program, you'll always get the notifications. You can do all of that and more at the one and only michaelgroff.com. All right, so so much happening. First of all, I guess the the latest is the state of Michigan is about to pass right-to-work legislation. For those of you that don't know, right-to-work legislation, pretty much uh, some people would say it undermines unions. Some say that right-to-work legislation is bad. Some say it's good. I don't even know. I I, I think both are are crap. I think right-to-work states suck. I think states that have uh, uh, unions in power suck for different reasons. There's pros and cons to both, obviously. Here in Arizona, basically right-to-work state, and there are 
if Michigan joins in, if if this passes, which it looks like it's going to, uh, if you are part of a right to work state, then you'd be half of the country, 25 states are right to work. And what that means is, uh, among other things, an employer can fire you at any time for any reason whatsoever, as long as it's not one of the wrong reasons, as long as it's not one of those reasons that's actually against the law. And basically, it prohibits collective bargaining and unions. It, it basically gives you a choice whether or not you uh, want to join a union, whether you can have a union, whether you, uh, you know, your employer can have a union, whatever. It, uh, at least according to what most people would describe it as, you have a choice with regard to the formation of a union. Obviously, a non-right-to-work state is the opposite. Um, there's complexities in there. I don't know. I'm oversimplifying it, but I, that's what I try to do here on the show because, frankly, I'm a dope. And I would just assume that most of you that listen to this show are, you're probably smarter than me about some of this stuff. Uh, frankly, um, I don't like either one because I look at the cons of both sides. Ever the optimist that I am, I always look at the bad aspects of both. Nevertheless, I think that um, states like Michigan and states with strong unions, well, you can look at their economy and you can look at their labor force and you can see how well unions have worked out for them. How have unions worked out for Detroit? We've talked about that numerous times on this program. And I will say this, we have... Uh, certainly gone through many experts we have uh, spoken with or or read from various uh, economic studies uh, from people a lot smarter than you or I on this. And really all you have to do, you don't even have to do that. You just look at the results, okay? Look at it. Look at the city of Detroit. Look at what happened from the time that the unions really got a stronghold on the city back in the 60s. And then look what happened from that point forward up until now and see what happened to the abysmal and not just Detroit, by the way, look at Flint and Saginaw and some of these other parts of uh, Detroit. Yeah. um, uh, Muskegon, other parts of Michigan where uh, industry, you know, unions have uh, were, were once thriving. You can see what the union idea ideologies have really done uh, to that state. Ohio is another great example. Pennsylvania is another example where these unions are the strongest. Those are where the economies right now are struggling the most. Cities like Detroit and Cleveland and Pittsburgh, which have huge unemployments, high crime rates and are just depressed economically and have been for many, many years. You can primarily blame the unions for that. You really can. Unions are the cause of a lot of the problems. Uh, obviously, again, the, the, we use the example of Hostess because they're just the latest in the, in the long line of union success stories, as it were. Uh, they chase out uh, company after company and these, these employers, these, these businesses, they take their jobs overseas because they don't have to deal with the union crap. They don't have to jump through hoops to fire somebody. They don't have to jump through hoops for these various regulations. They don't have to pay insane union wages. If, if they can't afford to pay a particular wage, if they can't afford to pay everybody $30 an hour, well then, well, in a right to work state, they don't have to. They can cut wages or they can fire people. And I know it's a cutthroat thing and I know business is cutthroat and, and sometimes... I even side with unions in certain disputes and in certain situations. But generally speaking, unions have been the death of this country. They have been a a, uh, a big 
uh, a big dirge, a big anchor on our economy. And again, look at the states with the strongest unions and you see the results. You know, Republicans, for some, I don't even know how it's possible, but Republicans actually have control, at least for the moment, of the legislature in uh, the state of Michigan. I'm sure that there's something to do with gerrymandering there, but primarily uh, they still have a decent handle on the state House and Senate. And so they managed to get this right to work legislation pushed through. The governor is going to sign it. And that should be that, at least until the next governor comes in and by executive order overturns it, I suppose. That's the new thing to do now. If you don't like legislation, you don't have to go through the normal channels. You just, if you're the executor of that state, if you're the governor, you just overturn it via executive order. I guess that's what they're going to do. But for now, uh, Michigan joins uh, half of the country. Good job. Um, I did mention, though, it got violent. Uh, one of the state's legislatures, by the way, uh, Representative Douglas Geis, he says there will be blood with regard to this situation. Now, when you use those kind of words and then blood happens, violence happens, because that's the obvious connotation there, uh, there's probably going to be something for you to answer for later on. Today... A group attacked a tent. Uh, they, they, were, they were having numerous protests. The unions are, of course, up in arms. They're having numerous protests across the state of Michigan. And let me see if I can find the story here. A mob destroyed the Americans for Prosperity tent on the lawn at, uh, Michigan's, at the Michigan State Capitol during the protest against right-to-work legislation. While, uh, while the destruction of the tent was going on, there were people inside of the tent and some of the crowd were armed with knives. So that's what was going on uh, there. These are, again, the, the unions that everybody seems to love. And, oh, yeah, the unions are so great, armed with knives, protesting, knocking down tents. And, uh, oh, yeah, some people got injured uh, from this tent being tramp uh, knocked over and then people being trampled. So... I guess they're uh, they're showing them. Hey, we'll we'll get it by force. We'll we'll uh, engage in violence to get our way because that's that's always the best way to go about it. Ugh, unions. Well, again, you see what they've done for this country. You've seen what they've done for the state of Michigan. Detroit is a great example. Go down, uh, just drive down. Go go to six mile or seven eight mile in in Detroit, where uh, Eminem is from. You'll see that area. Go to downtown Detroit. All right, take a look at some of the buildings down there. Uh, you know, look at some of the, all those empty factories, those dilapidated warehouses, and look at all the people, um, well, or the lack thereof, or the few people that are there, the homeless people that use the dilapidated buildings for shelter. Even they don't hang out there. Yeah, because they're afraid that, you know, the building is going to fall on them at any moment, and it very well could. It's horrible. All right, what else is happening? Um, Jamie Foxx is in the news. I guess there's a controversy surrounding Jamie Foxx. I, I really don't care about this. Could not care less for the most part. And other people are talking about it. I guess this is big news. Uh, he was on Saturday Night Live last weekend, and he said that um, the best thing about his new movie what is it called? Django or something? Django something? I don't even know what it's called. D-J-A-N-G-O. I don't know. 
I, I really don't know. I, I swear to God, I, I barely even know who Jamie Foxx is. I know he's a black guy. I know he has, um, he was a stand-up comedian or something. He had a show. He has the Jamie Foxx show. I know that. He had a terrible radio show. That I do know because I've heard his radio show. If you're a guy, see, I don't know actors and actresses very much. Like, I only know a few actors and actresses. I really am... I'm so out of the loop of all that. I don't know about celebrities. I don't care. I don't know who's dating who. I'm the worst person to talk to about all that stuff. That said, if you have a radio show, though, I, I probably will know about you. Yeah, if you're one of the, if you become somebody that delves, because that's my arena, all right? So then I would know about it. So Jamie Foxx was uh, hosting Saturday Night Live. And... He said the best thing about his new movie is that he gets to kill all the white people. And, and he goes, how great is that? Yeah, I know. Uh, that was my reaction to snore. <laughs> it's like there's just this long, awkward pause because I'm sitting there. I'm thinking what you, most of you are probably thinking right now. And that is who the who the hell cares? Who the hell cares? Uh, this is, I, I have the transcript of his monologue, I guess, here. Let me see. He says, uh, my name is Jamie Foxx. Give it up. Give it up. New York City, Saturday Night Live. Come on. Make some noise, man. New York City, New York City, Brooklyn, Staten Island, Queens. It's crazy. I'm black and I'm dressed in. <sighs> really? This was hosting Saturday Night Live. They've had, you know, Chevy Chase and uh, Steve Martin, Alec Baldwin, and then this. Give it up, give it up, New York City. What I'm sure he would. Give it up, give it up, New York City, Saturday Night Live. Come on, make some noise, man. Yeah, New York City, New York City, Brooklyn, Staten Island, Queens. It's crazy. I'm black. He's carrying on about how he's black. Yeah, we get it. You're black. Jesus Christ. Like, who cares? I'm black and I'm dressed all black because it's good to be black. Black is the new white. I'm telling you. I'm just reading. This is this is Jamie Foxx. How black is this right here? Nice fly. I'm saying, you know, you know how I know black is in right now? Because the Mets, uh, the Nets rather, the Nets moved to Brooklyn. How black is that? They got black jerseys, black court. I mean, how black is that? And Jay-Z is the owner, a rapper. How black is that? And Jay-Z only own about this much of the team. But the they act like he own all of New York. How black is that? Oh, my God. He continues. And I got a movie coming out, Django, Django, whatever. Check it out, Leonardo DiCaprio, Samuel L. Jackson, Unchained, I play a slave. How black is that? And in the movie, I have to wear chains. How whack is that? But I don't get worried about it because I get out the chains. I get, I get out the chains. I get free. I save my wife and I kill all the white people in the movie. How great is that? And how black is that? But I'm going to tell you right now, speaking of blackness, my president, President Obama, is back up in the White House four more years. How black is that? And not only that, he's so black, he was playing basketball during, uh, elect during the election day. How black is that? But he was also late for his appearance or for his acceptance speech. Okay, all the white people. 
this is your turn. How black is that? But he going to be extra black the next four years. He going to get everything black. And white people don't get nervous about that because he is mixed. Now, this four years was, I'm just, how long was this monologue? I don't even care. I'm done. Jamie Foxx, whatever. He was, uh, so he was hosting Saturday Night Live this past weekend. And he said it's great because he gets to kill all the white people. You know what? Listen, obviously, if you did a movie where you were a white guy and you said, I get to kill all the black people in there, there would be an uproar. And and because of this, like a couple of people are, are getting up in arms about it, but they're doing it in the politically correct way. Nobody's coming out and saying, well, whatever, man. Uh, nobody's really persecuting the guy. They don't really care that much because frankly, it's Jamie Foxx and whatever movie he's got coming out, I'm sure it's an absolute bomb. I'm sure nobody's going to go and see it. Nobody cares. That's how his radio show was. Nobody cared about his radio show. That I do know. Jamie Foxx, the the radio entertainer. I know he was, his show sounded like that too, by the way. It was like, yeah, the Jamie Foxx show, how black is that? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's like, it was I listened to maybe 25 minutes of it. I know I was actually able to hang in for like 25 minutes of, and he, I hear him interviewed from time to time and it's like this and it, look, just because you're a black guy doesn't mean you have to go in and, and talk about that you're a black guy and how, you know, and, and make everything about you being a black guy. We get it. You're a black guy. You know, there's more to you than that. I mean, at least I hope so. You know, there was a there was a talk show host years ago named Ken Hamblin. He was a conservative and he was a black guy. And I I thought he was a very smart person and he was a, a wonderful host in the sense that if he actually got into an issue and talked about it, he would be able to articulate it and get it out there and, and put it in a way and, and not be as condescending and, and annoying and egomaniacal as Rush Limbaugh, for example. But the problem is most of the Ken Hamblin show was, he first of all, he called himself the Black Avenger. His whole rap was, I'm Ken Hamblin and I'm a black conservative. And that was pretty much it. That was pretty much the lion's share of the show. And that's why he didn't last on national radio very long. I'm Ken Hamblin and I'm a black conservative. What else? Well, I'm black. Yeah. And I'm a conservative. Like, isn't that crazy? I'm a black guy and a conservative. Like, you never see that anywhere. Black conservative. Wow. Like, that was somehow... That was like the biggest thing in radio. That's the most innovative and exciting thing that he could say. I mean, every once in a while, he'd delve into an issue and he would talk about it and be great. And he didn't go on there and he didn't black it up. You know, he didn't go on there like Jamie Foxx. I'm black. How great is that? He didn't do that. But he did. He did remind his audience because he didn't. And and I'm sorry to say this, but he didn't sound like the typical black guy, okay? He didn't go on there and do like an Amos and Andy routine or any of that stuff, all right? He he was just, I'm Ken Hamblin, and I'm a black conservative. The Black Avenger. And he'd have these sweepers. The Black Avenger. It's like, oh, come on, man. All right, we get it. Just talk about the economy. Talk about Bill Clinton. This guy was about, this was like 1994, 95, 96, like the mid 90s. He's like, hi, my black conservative. Well, okay, we get it. 
Jamie Foxx, you're black. That's wonderful. You get to kill white people. You get to kill white people in a movie that nobody cares about. You want to take bets on how much money this movie is going to make? It's going to make what? Uh, I'm going to guess. Now, in this day and age, you can pretty much make a movie. It, it If you just even the biggest piece of crap nowadays makes 40 million bucks. You know, there was a time where if you made a movie and its opening weekend was 15 million bucks, that was huge. That was that was number one at the box office. Nowadays, it's got to be 25, 30, 35 million bucks at opening weekend or more for it to be a big success. Certainly, of course, depending on the budget and all that. Could you guess this movie is probably going to make what? Eh, 40 million bucks, maybe. I don't know much about it. I just know any movie with Jamie Foxx, it can't be popular. America it just can't possibly be that bad that Jamie Foxx is going to be a successful movie star now. Come on. He had a TV show, stand-up comedy, a bad radio show. Please, America, do us a favor. Can we just make this guy a, a one-hit wonder? Can he be another sigh? Can this guy just go away already? Speaking of sigh, for those of you that don't know, for you, those of you less hip of the audience, Psy, he does that Gangnam style. Well, uh, he's in trouble now. Another big controversy. So many controversies. Like, people really care about this stuff. People get worked up. This is another one that I don't really think is that big of a deal, but uh, some people... Um, yeah, some people think this is important. So, Psy... Gangnam Style about seven or eight years ago, made some music that has anti-American sentiment in it. He calls Americans Yankees, and he says some hateful things about Americans. I think some of them are probably even true, but now, of course, he's a big star. He is on tour making, I think he has made like 10 million bucks already. But here's the thing about Psy, and the reason that I don't think anybody should really get that worked up about it is because picture it 365 days from now. Picture December 11th, 2013. How many of you are even going to know who Psy is by then? He is going to be an irrelevant slice of Americana. He's going to be like Johnny Hates Jazz. Actually, Johnny Hates Jazz had two hits. Johnny Hates Jazz is twice as good as Psy. Plus, he's better. Yeah, he's going to be, um, he's going to be like Kajagugu. Oh, yeah, I remember him. He was that Korean dude that had all those hits on YouTube. See, this is the thing. The music business, and generally speaking, uh, a lot of um, the business in general, the the online, the entertainment business. This is how it's so much different from even 30 years ago. A lot of those bands that we think of as one-hit wonders now, a lot of those guys had quite a bit of mojo going for them. They had uh, some previous success maybe in other countries or they had been at least around for quite a while. And then they, they finally cracked uh, the top 10 or made it to number one with some song and then, you know, they kept trying and it just never really took off for them. They, they were never able to write something that sounded any different or whatever, but they were around for a while. Nowadays, because of the way internet trends are and the way that our culture just is how something trends and gets hot for about two months and then goes away. 
I think it's a little bit different than it was 30 years ago. And you're going to see more of these one hit wonder types. It is much harder to have a sustained career in the entertainment business, particularly the music business today than it was even 30 years ago. And it was hard 30 years ago, back in the 70s or 80s. It was it was still hard to crack the the music business. There were fewer record companies. There wasn't nearly the opportunities that there are today to get your message out there, to uh, get online. And anybody can have a forum nowadays. And you didn't have that 30 years ago. But with that in mind, it's easier to become a superstar overnight. But then that fades very quickly. And I think that's what's going to happen to Cy. A year from now, nobody's even going to know that he existed. So to make a big deal about the fact he'll be Murray Head in a year, you know, <laughs> not even Murray Head, because let me tell you something, Murray Head, who did One Night in Bangkok, this guy, Murray Head was a guy who wrote a bunch of music for, um, oh my God, he put out, I think, 40 albums or something. He, he put out an insane number of albums. He wrote for a bunch of different plays and, you know, this sigh, all he, he just kept writing songs, but nobody cared. This is the only song Marie Head could make it with. And that's the thing. Psy is going to be just like Marie Head. Psy is going to be a punchline in about, I don't know, six months to a year from now. Do you think that there's even a remote possibility that that dude can have um, another hit? Do you really think he can crack the top 10 or even the top 30 with another hit? Another Gangnam style? He's a novelty act at best. And novelty acts generally don't stick around in the music business very long. Weird Al is still around, but Weird Al doesn't make it onto the charts, really. He's a guy who draws some people to concerts. People go, oh, yeah, I remember Weird Al from the 80s. Oh, man, he was in that uh, UHF or whatever, uh, what, 30 years ago. And that's about it. He'll be Weird Al. That he'll have that, not even that kind of success. At least Weird Al is still putting out albums, at least somewhat in some way, shape, or form. That novelty act still stays fresh somehow. I haven't heard a song from Weird Al in probably 20 years, at least. Well, that's not true. I went to, believe it or not, I was one of those guys. I went to a Weird Al concert in 1997 or 98 at the Arizona State Fair. Every year, Weird Al shows up here. And somehow, I mean, there were people that were there. There was, I don't know, a good couple thousand people or so that went to see Weird Al. So I know he, uh, and he puts on a show and it's, he does a lot of costume changes and it's something. But that's what Psy is going to be. He's going to be a guy that goes somewhere and, and a few hundred people show up. Gangnam style. Like if you go to a concert that has Psy, what else is there? What else does he do besides Gangnam Style? There's a new feature for the show right there. Where will they be in a year? What will they be doing? Will they be pumping gas? Will they be serving you at an Olive Garden? Where will they be next year? I think Cy is going to be at the Olive Garden level. He'll blow through that 10 million bucks like a person that won the lottery. You know, since we last spoke, incidentally, I didn't even get to talk about um, the people that won the Powerball, that big $500 million jackpot. It was two people. One, there was, I guess, a couple from Fountain Hills, Arizona, right up the road from where I am, about, uh, I don't know, what, 20 miles to the northeast of here. Then there was another uh, there was another couple in Missouri, 
And both of them were not old folks, although I think one was involved in an office pool. And uh, but neither of them were old people. They were, you know, 30s or 40s. So I guess the office pool thing still stuck up, at least from my prediction. So I got that part right. Couple other things to get into here as well. Throughout the program, we'll do this. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff on my desk. Some of this is kind of dated material. Oh, and of course, the fiscal cliff. We'll be talking about that. Uh, I know you're so tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. Yeah, we get it. The Bush era tax cuts are due to expire. Yeah, we get it. I know. Um, some government programs are going to be going by the wayside while others get ratcheted up like Obamacare, for example. So it's going to be causing a huge economic problem. I think mostly it causes a problem on the stock market. A lot of speculators are going to make it seem a lot worse than it very well could be. So uh, that's uh, those are the people that really drive the economy. That's the speculators. I think with the United States becoming the biggest oil producer within the next seven years, I think our economy will probably do okay. And whoever happens to be in the White House at that time, the the musical chairs, whoever, whatever it is, Republican, Democrat, whatever, that happens to be in there, they'll get all the credit for it because that's how it goes. And um, I don't know. Going to talk about a couple other things from the NFL and, oh, a couple of radio DJs, radio DJs that got into trouble in Australia for making a stupid prank phone call. I guess... I guess prank phone calls, that's uh, still huge comedy over there in Australia. Now, I really shouldn't even make fun of Australia for bad radio because we have a ton of bad radio here. Oh, so awful. So terrible. So we'll get into some of that, uh, how they got into trouble. Two, two jocks, two wacky DJs from Australia who made a prank phone call to Kate Middleton's hospital. I know nothing about this story, really. This is something that I should really be talking to Carmen about because uh, I know that Kate Middleton, I don't even know what she's, she, the Duchess, or I don't know what she is. or her. I know she's part of the royal family, all right? And I know that she's had terrible morning sickness. Um, and I know that she's, in fact, her morning sickness is, has been so bad that she's been in the hospital for it. So these two wacky DJs who I've never heard of in my life. Again, something to talk to Carmen about. Um, I guess they're in trouble because they made a prank phone call and, a, and it's huge comedy. So we'll hear that. Huge comedy <laughs> coming up and so much more. Whatever the hell we want to get into. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav show. We'll be back. Proving there's never a shortage of things to criticize. You're listening to the Zip Code Famous, Michael Groff Show. It started with a whisper, and now it's when I kissed her, and then she made my lips hurt. I could hear the chit-chat, take me to your love share, mama's always got a back check, when everybody talks, baby, everybody talks, everybody times when all the world 
Zip code famous Michael Groff show on a Tuesday, December 11th, 2012. Mike at KMGX.com, our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff show on Google Talk, Michael Groff on Twitter, and for everything else Michael Groff related, post your comments, questions, suggestions. That can be done as well as listening to this or any other podcast, donating to this program and more, all at the one and only michaelgroff.com. Yes, michaelgroff.com. We talk about the fiscal cliff and the tax rates that are set to increase. You know, another thing that uh, Republicans are willing to concede to uh, with these negotiations with the Democrats in the House they're willing to allow corporate tax rates to increase. Now, many of you out there are probably going, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's tax the hell out of these corporations, these multinational corporation bastards. Let's let's tax them as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, let's go after it. Yeah. Well, the problem with that is the corporate tax rate here in the United States is among the highest in the world. It's not the highest, but it is among the highest. So they want to increase that further. And companies are already being proactive in moving a lot of their money offshore so that they don't have to worry about these corporate tax rates. Like, for example, Google. Now, I thought Google was run by a couple of socialists. And I'm being serious about this. I think the two people that founded Google, they're both kind of socialists. And yet even they, even socialists, see, this is the thing. Everybody is a Democrat. Everybody is liberal until they start making money. Then once people start making money, they go, eh, you know, suddenly I don't feel so compelled. I'm suddenly not so generous with everybody else's money. And that's exactly what's going on with Google. See, they took a bunch of their money and they've moved it offshore. According to this, they've moved about $2 billion in worldwide income. Actually, no, they Google avoided, they avoided $2 billion in income tax in 2011 after they shifted $9.8 billion in revenues into a Bermuda shell account. That's almost double the total of three years ago. By legally funneling profits into overseas subsidiaries uh, into Bermuda, which doesn't have a corporate income tax, Google cut its overall tax rate almost in half. The amount moved to Bermuda is equivalent to about 80% of Google's total pre-tax profit from 2011. So they moved a ton of money into an offshore account to avoid taxes. This is all really, they see the writing on the wall. They see the taxes are going to be going back up here in the United States. They already know that they're paying exorbitant amounts because they are a multi-billion dollar company. And this is... Um, this is what they're doing. This is how they're going to avoid not only taxes here in the U.S., but outside the U.S. as well. International, you know, European uh, Union kind of crap. In fact, the European Union's executive body, the European Commission, advised member states to create blacklists of tax havens and adapt anti-abuse rules. Tax evasion and, ev and avoidance, which cost the EU one trillion euros every year for a, quote, scandalous, uh, they say that they're scandalous, and an attack on the fundamental principle of fairness. I love how these people in Europe talk about fairness when they have countries 
that tax people 50, 60, 70% of their income. And they're going to sit here and talk about what's fair. Yeah, you know, because for every dollar you make or every euro you make, you should be taxed half of it or 60 or 70% of it. And they talk about fairness. Quote, the tax strategy of Google and similar multinationals is a deep embarrassment to governments around Europe, said Richard Murphy, an accountant and director of Tax Research LLP in Norfolk, England. Quote, the political awareness now being created in the UK and to a lesser degree elsewhere in Europe is it's us or them. People understand that if Google doesn't pay, somebody else has to pay or services get cut. Well, you see how well that's working out. You see how well your fairness in your taxation system and your your socialism and your 60% tax rates, you see how well that's working out uh, for Europe right now, right? You see how well that's going. You see how well the European Union as a whole is doing. Greece is in the tank. Spain is in the tank. Germany is barely hanging on. France is barely hanging on. You've got all these countries that are seeing financial insolvency because of your ridiculous financial policies and your insistence upon fairness. Is because we have to be fair to everybody. How is it fair that if I go out there and I bust my butt and I'm making money, and I'm an achiever, and I go out there and I make millions of dollars. Now, how is it fair that I get taxed 50 or 60 cents on the dollar? I love people that talk about fairness. See, if you know that if any one of these clowns in the European Union, if any one of these guys was in the top tax bracket anywhere else, if they came over to the United States, for example, and they made 10 million bucks a year, and suddenly they heard Democrats out there going, well, you have to pay your fair share. Suddenly they wouldn't be so willing to give up all their money. Gee, they'd be like, well, I don't, I don't understand. This, this isn't fair. You know, in the U.S., the top tax bracket used to pay, well, I think back in the 60s, it was 71 cents on the dollar was the top tax bracket, 71%. I think before that, it was up around like 90%. The top tax bracket in this country for like millionaires, for example, um, after you made a million bucks or something, then every dollar after that, you were taxed like 90%. I think that's how it worked. I, I don't, I know that in the sixties, I do remember it was 72%. I wasn't alive, but I do you know, remember hearing about that. Oh my goodness. All right. So that's one thing. Uh, President Obama, by the way, has come out and he has said, uh, quote, I think America is poised to take off. Yes, uh, he says, quote, we're seeing pretty strong consumer confidence despite weakness in Europe and over in Asia. I think America is poised to take off. And the question is, let's make sure that we don't have a self-inflicted wound. Because there are a lot of silly games played up on Capitol Hill, Obama said. Okay, well, uh, you're one of the people playing those games. You're one of the people that are out there insisting that we, um, we I don't know, you want to raise taxes, you want to have uh, another source of income, another revenue source for the government. You're unwilling to cut government programs and you're instituting Obamacare, which is still, even though it's already been signed into law, even though it's already been implemented, you still haven't given us a way, a means to pay for it. 
we still don't really have a way. Yeah, we're going to tax employers that don't get on or, or just common citizens that don't get health insurance. Like we're going to tax them or, or make them pay a fine or a penalty or whatever verbiage you wish to use to describe it. But you still haven't given us a means for which we're going to pay for it. I guess we're going to ultimately we're going to have to raise taxes to compensate for Obamacare. There's going to be a huge tax increase that comes down the pike as a result of that. But um, yeah, to this day, Barack Obama still hasn't given us a, a way that we're going to pay for that. And we're already, I mean, we're in, you know, uh, one and a half trillion dollars uh, in debt for the upcoming fiscal year. One and a half trillion more in deficit spending. Oh, my goodness. Um, a majority of Americans, by the way, speaking of the fiscal cliff, majority of Americans say that they believe that if the country does go over this fiscal cliff, that congressional Republicans should bear the brunt of the blame. This is according to a new Washington Post Pew Research poll. The latest uh, sign that the GOP faces a very strenuous path on the issue uh, through the end of the year, while 53% of those surveyed say that the GOP would and should lose the fiscal cliff blame game. Just 27% say that President Obama would be deserving of more of the blame. How is it how is it that America has been snowed so badly by all of this? How is it that America has been duped? Can't they see that just Obamacare alone is responsible for some of the woes that we'll be facing economically in the upcoming years? Never mind all of the other nonsense, all of the other spending on these ridiculous wars, on the ridiculous government programs. Never mind all of that. Never mind everything that the that the Democrats have implemented. How is it that America has been so snowed that they can't see that President Obama is at least partly responsible for what's gone on? Okay, 27% of America gets it. But that's a pretty low number. Most of the U.S., well, of course, over 50, 52% or so, 52, 53% voted for the guy. So I guess people just don't get it. They don't care or they don't understand the bigger problems economically that are facing this country. Yeah, I get it. Republicans have, have screwed us as well. Republicans had 12 years from 1994 to 2006 to get things turned around to really get the country going. And they did, at least to some degree. And then they lost their way, too. They spent like crazy. And then the Democrats took over in 2006. They took back uh, the, the House and the Senate. And they spent like crazy. And the Republicans, ever since taking over again in 2010, at least taking over the House... Well, they haven't really been spending like crazy. They've been spending, though. They, you know, we've been just sort of flatlined in terms of how much money we spend. The president would like us to spend even more. I mean, we continue these stupid wars, which both parties are responsible for. So sick of it. America should be blaming both. They should be blaming the Republicans and the Democrats. I love this. Oh, it's, it's the Republicans' fault. Really? When, when the Democrats control the Senate... And the White House, and they controlled the House for the first two years of the Obama administration. I mean, they had a they had a supermajority in Congress, but it's the Republicans' fault. No, okay. 
come, what kind of PR campaign do the Democrats run? How do they get that message out there? How is it that by a two to one margin, they're able to convince America that it's the Republicans' fault? How do they do it? Oh. All right. Also, from the Michael Grav Show stupid news file, then we'll go to break. A woman who was featured in the Tampa Bay Times story that dealt with a rare sexual disorder. We've talked about this. There's been like two or three of these stories that we've talked about on the show over the years. It's a woman who was featured in the Tampa Bay Times about a rare sexual disorder. Um, she had, uh, what's it called? Persistent, some sort of persistent arousal syndrome. She was, she was always sexually aroused and had to get herself off all the time just to feel any kind of relief. And she was found dead. She committed suicide Saturday at her home in Spring Hill. According to the Hernando County Sheriff's Office, they didn't provide details of how or when Gretchen Mullinen died, but uh, she said that she was last seen alive Thursday at 11.30 p.m., Records show deputies responded to a suicide call about midnight Saturday. The Times received emails from two of her friends confirming her death and lamenting that she wasn't able to get the help that she needed. Mulliman, 39, suffered from persistent genital arousal disorder, a debilitating condition marked by continuous sexual arousal. Women who have this disorder are physically, disorder rather, are physically, I'm, I have a disorder. I can't even talk today. It's these allergy meds. I, I have mush mouth so bad. You can hear it too on the microphone. I'm trying to gate it out, but you can hear I have dry mouth. I've been sitting here drinking water and Diet Coke and anything, but I, I just, I can't get past it, man. These allergy meds. Anyway, women who have this disorder are physically but not psychologically aroused. Many must masturbate for hours for just a few minutes of relief. This is a problem. This is a disorder, I guess. <laughs> How is this a disorder? This sounds like fun. I mean, okay, I could imagine walking around with a boner all the time would, would not be good for a guy. I mean, you'd be walking, I mean, constantly. Well, that's called being like from age about 12 to 17 because that is pretty much what happens you walk around with a you're walking around with a piece of steel in your pants for about five or six years so i i know what that's all about mullinan struggled with the disorder for 16 years for the first 10 years she had no idea what she had and suffered in silence she tried to work, but the condition affected her job performance, and she was unable to keep steady employment after 1999. She lived in Spring Hill with her parents, both now dead, and never told them what she was uh, going through. In 2007, she saw uh, a woman talk about the condition on a TV program uh, on 2020 and finally realized what she had. Mullinen sought help from numerous medical professionals, but many had never heard of the condition. She couldn't afford the tests or treatments to have uh, work done uh, from, that, uh, from the condition that she suffers. She said the condition was so debilitating that she attempted suicide at least three times during the past year. Quote, I know that God wants more out of my life than having me 
testing out suicide methods, constantly crying and abusing myself. She said in the story that was published uh, in Tampa Bay, let's see, on tampabay.com. The Times found Mullen on Craigslist in early 2012. She was seeking help for medical professionals. She had no income and had filed for Social Security disability benefits. Her request had been rejected. Well, there's, there's that Social Security for you. See, somebody that actually needs help, I mean, I know I make fun of it, and I know I'm kind of poking at it a little bit, but I mean, um, I know everything's going to sound like innuendo if I talk about it. But anyway, uh, I, I know I'm making fun of it a little bit, but I mean, this is, if, if you have ever read about this, and if you've ever really read from doctors about this, they'll tell you that it is a debilitating condition, that it is a legitimate disability. As as funny, as stupid as it sounds to guys, you know, and it does sound silly, but for, can you imagine? I mean, let's be honest. Can you imagine, you know, you take a Viagra or Cialis or something and you're walking around with a persistent boner and no matter what you do, you cannot get rid of it. You know, you can try and, and you can do everything. You, you masturbate 17 times and you can't get rid of it no matter what. Could you imagine walking around like that? You know, I mean, after a while, you would get tired of it. I mean, guys have, listen, again, guys know from about age 12 through your teens, basically you walk around with persistent, unless, unless you're one of these teens, it's always getting laid. You're walking around with, you know, constant blue balls, basically. You know, you, you just, you're sore because you need the relief. Well, imagine a woman walking around like that too. She wanted someone to give her a free MRI so that she could prove her condition to a judge. Oh, can you imagine the judge she went before? She said, uh, okay, listen, I'm here to hear your appeal on why you feel you need Social Security benefits for disability. She goes, well, Your Honor, uh, I suffer from a sexual condition. I'm always aroused. What? Get the F out of here. <laughs> he, probably, he probably threw the gavel right at her and said, all right, next. Or, or he probably said something like, hey, uh, come over to my house later. I'll make sure that your uh, disability gets taken care of, ma'am. Or gave her a gift certificate to Fascinations or Castle Boutique. Yeah, she had a lot of problems and she finally just had to kill herself because she couldn't take constantly being aroused. And I know, I know how funny it sounds and we're goofing on it, but it does sound like a, uh, a story. We did that story about that woman in England who had the same problem. This was what, about two years ago. And I wonder whatever happened with her. And she was a lot younger than this one. She was about, uh, I think 21 or 22 and she had persistent sexual arousal disorder. I wonder how much of it is physical, how much of it is psychological, or how much of it, I mean, you know, biochemical, who knows? How does that even develop in the body? Like what goes on in the brain? What goes on in the body that causes that to, I mean, obviously your body is just producing hormones constantly. I don't want to get too graphic into it. I don't even, I don't know. All I know is if I had that problem, that'd be a little embarrassing. Go to a bar. Hey, Mike, what's up? I know all the bad jokes would come out. Never mind. All right. Let's go to break. Um, when we come back, we have a story about a wacky DJ, actually two wacky DJs from Australia who pulled some kind of stupid radio prank. 
and they are now in a lot of trouble. In fact, they've been fired as a result of their dumb prank. We'll play you the audio so you can hear just how great a phone prank this really was. Yeah, this is edgy radio over there in Australia. I'd say it's edgy radio here in the United States, except for the fact that people in the U.S. can't even do prank phone calls anymore. Well, we'll peel back the curtain on the radio business coming up so that you get a true idea. Um, I think it's about time on this show that we started exposing bad radio guys again. We used to do this from time to time. We used to play clips from bad radio shows all across the country. I think it's about time we uh, wheeled that out again. It's been far too long since uh, I took shots at the radio business. You know, I used to love this business. I used to really be into it, into the broadcast biz. Now I'm an outsider. I've been cast outside. I'm stuck outside because, well, because I'm not one of these phony, nonsensical kind of people that goes on the air and puts on a funny voice and funny happiness and, hey, we got lots of sun. Uh, traffic and weather together, lots of sunshine today, getting all the way up to 71 degrees this afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Good morning, everybody. Let's do Battle of the Sexes coming up. I just, I can't do that kind of radio. I can't be a trained monkey to put a ball on my nose and walk around and juggle and do all that stuff. I can't talk like uh, some kind of weird cracked out human being. Hey, everybody, how's it going? I can't do that. In a way, I have a small amount of respect for somebody that can get on the air and do a phony voice for hour after hour after hour. And they can put a... There's there's a lot of guys in this business that do that. I've told you the stories many times. Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. We're back after this. The Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. It's the zip code famous Michael Grob show on a Tuesday, December 11th, 2012. Tomorrow is 12, 12, 12. Not the end of the world. That happens in 10 days, supposedly. Those people that actually really legitimately believe that, incidentally, there are people that really do think that the Mayan calendar is accurate and that the world is going to end. Just like those religious people that always point to a specific day where the world is going to end, and then it doesn't. And then they always say, well, 
It's coming, though. or I don't know what their justification is. Some of those people wind up killing themselves because they sold their house and their property. Nice job. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything else Michael Groff related, where you can leave your comments, questions, suggestions on this or any other podcast, get your notifications sent whenever a brand new episode is posted. You can sign up for that. Be sure to whitelist our site, though, so that it doesn't go to your spam folder and email. Or, of course, you can donate to this program. All of that can be done at the one and only michaelgroff.com. Yes, anything and everything Michael Groff related found once again because... Radio. Radio is all about repetition. Uh, it's the one and only MichaelGroff.com. Um, this is a little bit creepy. Uh, this, uh, of course, from the from America's public schools. Your tax dollars pay for this. Just so you know. I, I love stories like this because it just highlights really how creepy some of these people that apparently slip through the cracks and teach in our public schools really are. Oh my goodness. This is from uh, Taylorsville Elementary School where a teacher has returned to his third grade classroom after being disciplined for violating professional standards after students reported they scratched his back, rubbed his feet, and had other inappropriate contact while at school. Now, by the way, if you're wondering, no, no sex went on. Nothing, you know, Jerry Sandusky-like, but it was uh, still very creepy. Granite School District officials found no criminal conduct by elementary teacher Brian Watts, 53, who has worked at the school since 2004, but the district claims to have taken quote, appropriate disciplinary action following complaints about Watts. Quote, the district has put measures in place so no inappropriate actions can be taken by Watts, says Doug Larson, district director of policy and legal services. What kind of uh, measures could you possibly take to ensure that this guy doesn't commit any inappropriate action? What, did, you, did you write him a strongly worded letter? Did you take him into your office and yell at him? Did you put a shock collar on his genitals? That's about the only way to make sure that nothing happens. Actually, the only way to really make sure nothing happens is to fire him and make sure, throw him in jail now. Wait till you hear what this kid did. This guy, uh, he said, uh, let's see. Um, Larson said that he could not go into detail about the disciplinary action because of state laws dealing with public employees. Utah teacher records are exempt from the state's public records. Granite District Police Detective Randall Porter started an investigation into Watts' conduct in October after a mother expressed concern to, his, to the district after her daughter reported uh, odd classroom behavior by Watts. Quote, she complained that her daughter... Uh, whose name has been redacted from the report, told her that Watts asked students to rub his feet and back during movie time. And that Watts told the class that they should not tell the parents 
of activities that went on in the classroom. Oh, that's always a big deal. All right, kids, now don't tell anyone what happens in the classroom. Hey, what happens in the classroom stays in the classroom. What happens in the private closet, in the, um, what happens in the discipline closet stays in the discipline closet. Watts apparently scared one student by banging a hammer on the student's desk. Porter wrote in his 19-page report. Porter interviewed a school psychologist, a school employee, and uh, the parent, a parent, and eight current and former students about Watts' classroom conduct. Taylorsville Elementary, built in 1962. Uh, They even give its location. Who cares? Let's see what else here. Officials said that there were student statements about odd activities, including playing dodgeball in the classroom. Quote, the students said Watts did not throw the ball hard, however. Oh, that's good. But he made students rub his feet and back. Creepy. These are third graders, too. How old is it? See, third graders are like nine or ten years old. Wow. Hey, uh, yeah, I, I get 10-year-olds to rub my feet. It's great. I, I, we, have, we, uh, we watch movies. Uh, they're special movies that I brought from home. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I have them, um, you know, they, they rub my feet while all this is going on. Oh, it's, it's very innocent. It's completely harmless. What I love about this story is that he's back in the classroom. Apparently, that's not creepy enough in the state of Utah to get your ass fired. Maybe that's the teacher's union, too. Teacher's union comes in and says, hey, hey, he didn't actually molest a kid. He just had them rub his feet. Hey, being a teacher is hard work. You got to have kids rub your feet from time to time. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. He had an itchy back and he couldn't reach it. He had a student scratch his back. Hey, there's nothing creepy or wrong about that. Now, look, I understand we have gotten a little bit extreme. It used to be. Teachers gave their students hugs or whatever on the last day of school or something like that. And now you can't even do that. You can't even so much as touch a student at all, no matter what, even if it's disciplinary. So I do understand that we've gone a little bit overboard. But really, you think that somehow uh, a 53-year-old guy having 10-year-olds rub his feet isn't a little bit weird. I mean, it'd be a little bit weird if your own kids were rubbing your feet. I mean, not really, but it would be a little strange, maybe. But someone else's kids in a classroom setting where you're supposed to be reading. No wonder kids come out of school so stupid nowadays. They're too busy uh, giving (laughs) teachers foot rubs and back rubs. Way to go to the state of Utah. Wonderful stuff. All right. Now, from one disturbing thing to another, let me get into this story about these two Australian radio DJs. So, evidently, if you haven't heard this story by now, Kate Middleton, part of the royal family. I I know so little about the royal family or any of this stuff. I don't know what the deal is. I just know that she's a big deal. All right. And they had that big wedding a couple of years ago and everybody watched it. And I don't know, people get into this stuff. I couldn't care less. But since it involves the radio biz, now I'm interested. Um, 
so apparently Kate Middleton uh, is pregnant and she's actually been so sick during her pregnancy. Her morning sickness is so bad that she's gone to the hospital as a result. And uh, while staying in the hospital, a couple of jocks from Australia decided to prank call the hospital where she was staying. And the person that initially answers the phone takes their phone call and transfers them up to Kate Middleton's room where they event, where they wind up talking to just another nurse up there. The person that initially answered the call, this is a woman, she wound up killing herself. I guess due to public ridicule or whatever. Somebody who was probably a little bit unstable already, who was probably a little bit unhinged, and then the public pressure and everything that happened, she wound up killing herself. You know, some people are crucifying these these two saying, it's because of them that she killed herself. Look, let's not get completely nuts. Nonetheless, it's uh, bad radio bits all over the place. It's nice to know that uh, it's not just bad radio that happens here in the United States. Apparently, edgy radio in Australia consists of prank phone calls. Ugh. Such hacky crap from 1985. You know what I mean? Like this, this was out almost 30 years ago. Uh, you can only imagine. So we have the audio here of their uh, prank phone call. This is from... Today FM. I don't know what that is. I guess that's in Sydney, Australia. I don't know what frequency it is. I don't know anything about it. I know that they're, the host names are, let me see. Mel Gregg and Michael Christian. Mel is the chick. And uh, some blonde haired chick. And Michael Christian. You know, a couple of, uh, they're not, they're, I don't know. They don't have the faces for radio. I don't know. They, they, they're, uh, they don't look like murderers. But anyway, so uh, here's here's their extremely edgy phone call. But they the chick pretends to be the queen and he pretends to be Prince Charles. Uh, it, it, you'll hear it. It's just bad radio. Uh, let me see. Let me bring up this audio. Here we go. We've been handed a phone number. A phone number. Right. And we have been told that this phone number... Is they even do like a little bit of the pukey radio DJ voice, uh, Australian style. We've been handed a phone number. <laughs> really? Like, come on, man. Just use your normal voice. Just have a conversation with the audience. Oh, man. Is the hospital mm, where Kate right. Middleton is currently staying. Now, we don't... We we thought we'd give it a call. We don't want to cause any trouble. Yeah. We don't want to. We don't want to stress her out because she's doing a tough. Yep. But she's, I reckon we. She's doing a tough. Can maybe get her on the radio tonight. Look, I don't know. I mean, everybody would be trying. Well, this this, this is why I thought of a a plan. We can't yeah. just ring up and go, "Hi, it's MC and Mel from the Summer Thirty. Can we chat to Kate?" Hang up. Not going to happen. Yeah. You are going to be the queen. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to be Prince Charles. I'm the queen. Ben and M, you're involved in this as well. Oh uh, we God. thought that maybe you could be the, the, the royal corgis, if, if you're okay with that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sure, we'll so pop on in we'll in a come sec. In. Come into the studio. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to dial this number. This is fun. Oh, I mean, this is fun. Yes. Oh, this is this is fun. We're doing a prank phone call on the radio. No one's ever done this before, mate. Oh, my God. Are you for real with this? <laughs> Now, so, see, Australia has just as crappy radio as we do here in the U.S. And just so you think I'm, I'm not unfairly picking on Australia, don't worry. I'm going to peel back the curtain on American radio. We're going to start doing this again. Because I am tired of this industry. Ugh, it's bad even in Australia. That's good to know. So they're going to, so she's pretending to be the queen. He's Prince Charles. 
And then some people in the background are going to make dog noises, I guess. Oh, this is scintillating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to be the queen. Hello, I'm the queen. Hello, Prince Charles over here, oh, mummy. Prince Charles. Uh, I yes. like your ears. And <laughs> Ben and Emma are going to be the royal corgi. So let's um, okay, let's 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 give this hospital a call. Okay. And see if we can get Kate Middleton or maybe even Prince Will's on the phone tonight. So okay. the number number's going in. Oh, jeez, I hope this happens. Oh, my God. Hello, good morning. King Edward the Seven Oh, hello there. Could I please speak to Kate, please, my granddaughter? Oh, yes, just hold on. Um. Thank you. Are they putting us through? Yes. Are they putting us through? Yeah, it's a hospital. You're calling and asking for Kate. Yeah, they're putting you through. <laughs> Imagine a hospital is going to put you through to somebody that you ask for. I mean, that's really wild and crazy. I remember when I was in the hospital, uh, my my mom called and they go, I'm sorry, ma'am. We're not going to put you through. Why? Because uh, we have we have 10 tiers of security in the hospital. If this has worked, it's the easiest prank call we've ever made. (laughs) It's the easiest prank call we've ever made, mate. Your accent sucked, by the way. I just want you to know. <laughs> this whole show sucks. <laughs> I'm not used to playing old 80-year-olds. Kate, my darling, are you there? Um, good morning, Mum. This is the nurse speaking. How may I help you? Hello, I'm just after my granddaughter, Kate. I want to see how her little tummy bug is going. Can I just... Let me, let me just say something, though. I, I will have to say... When you get scammed by a couple of radio jocks doing an obviously bad British accent, and I don't, I know that the Queen doesn't sound like that. Uh, the, the Queen doesn't sound like this, mate. Um, hello, I'm the Queen. I mean, by this, I could have called and done that voice, and I would have, hello, this is the Queen of England. Hello, I'm looking for my daughter's Kate there. Really? Hey, yes. Hello, there's Prince Charles. Yeah, I say, I say, top of the I.M. to you. Yes, oh, having some tea and crumpets over here. Um, I was just wondering if I could speak to Kate. Yeah, <laughs> you know how it goes over here. Yes, charmed. Really? You could voice recognition not so good in the uh, hospital staff. Mummy. She's sleeping at the moment, and she has had an uneventful night, um, and, and sleep is good for her so as, as we speak. She's been getting some fluids to rehydrate her, because she was quite dehydrated when she came in, um, but she, she's stable at the moment. Apparently, they'll give away your medical condition to anybody, though. You know, I mean, I, I do understand that, you know, there are levels, uh, when you call a hospital, I mean, if I'm in there, some random person you can't just call... Call up and go, hey, uh, how's Michael Graff doing? I, I do get it. You know, I understand. I'm giving the hospital a little bit of a hard time. But still, I mean, this is just failure all the way around. Now they're giving away the condition. <laughs> You'd think that they would um, do a little bit better with the royal family. Okay, I will, I'll just feed my little corgis then. Um, oh, so what? when is a good time to come and visit her? Because I'm the queen, so I need a lift down there. A prince, Charles. Mummy, is everything okay? Oh wait, my Charles. When can you take me to the hospital, Charles? When when will it be all right to come down and see her? Maybe maybe in the morning or something, if that's okay. I would suggest that any time after nine o'clock. Yeah, I'd fire these two because this is just awful radio. 
That's why they would be fired. If I was the program director or general manager over there, I mean, these two, I don't think I would have ever hired them in the first place. I'd be like, so what What contribution do you have to to make to this station? What What kind of entertaining radio will be? Well, my, we'll be doing some prank calls. Uh, it'll be great. It'll be fun. Would be suitable because the doctor will be in in the morning, okay. and we'll just be getting her freshened up in the morning. Uh, I would think any time after nine. Wonderful. And is, is Will's is Will's still there? Has he gone home? I haven't spoken to him yet. He went home at about half past nine last. No, for actually probably about nine o'clock last night. Oh, okay. Lovely, but they're all yes. okay. Everything's all right. Yes, she, she's she's quite stable at the moment. She hasn't had any retching with me since I've been on duty, and she has been sleeping on and off. Wonderful. I think it's difficult sleeping in a strange bed as well. Yes, of course. It's hardly the palace. Oh, is it? it's nothing like the palace, is it, Charles? No. And when are you going to walk those bloody corgis? <laughs> Mumsy, I'll go and take the dogs out. I need to go visit Kate in the morning, my dear. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Where? Wait a minute. Hold on a sec. What's the payoff? Like a prank phone call usually has to have a payoff in order for there to be a prank involved. They called the hospital and they got an update on Kate Middleton. That's That was the lion's share of this scam. The, the scam was that they were able to call the hospital and get an update on Kate Middleton's status. Like, I understand why people are upset because it just shows it shows how easy it is to scam this uh, particular hospital. And if you're going to be the royal family and you supposedly have some clout, you'd want to think that anybody that would stay there would be able to stay there and, and have a little bit of secrecy and have their medical history and have their medical condition kept confidential. But apparently not at that particular hospital. Wow. But I mean, what's the payoff? Usually there's like a punchline and there's like, you just got spam, scammed by Mel Greg and Michael Christian, MC and Mel in the morning or whatever the hell. Mate, you just got scammed. You just got phone scammed, mate. Where the hell is the payoff in all of this? That's what I want to know. Oh, well, now they're laughing about it. They think, oh, this was great fun. She was giving us real information. Mumsy, I think that they believed everything that we just said. I am the queen. Bow for me. Bow for me. Bow for you and your terrible accent. Wow. There you go. That's uh, they, Those two got fired, by the way, because of that phone prank. And before you go, well, it's really no big deal. Number one, it's it's awful radio. Number two, you did scam a hospital to get through so that you could get information about a patient in there. And while I don't think that's actually against the law, the, the only the people that were actually in violation of the law were the hospital for giving away confidential uh, information, at least in the United States. I don't know how it works in England. All right. I do know that in the United States, because of HIPAA laws and all that kind of stuff, you can't just give away somebody's medical information like that without some consent and da 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 da. So I know that there'd be a, a big deal made of it if that happened here, an even bigger deal because laws were broken. I don't know how it is there. But these two, oh my God, that was awful. That was painful radio right there. I'm the queen. I'm going to call and I'm going to say I'm the queen. <laughs> oh dear Jesus. Hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you don't associate me with that crap. I'm not part of that. I'm not part of uh, the phone scamming and the, um, the wacky DJ kind of nonsense with the fake voices and all that kind of stuff. Don't do that. I'm not into that. Boy, you know, it's time to really take a look at this radio business. We used to do this semi-regularly on the show where we would take um, 
various radio shows and sort of tear them apart on the air. Because I got so tired of seeing people in this business do very little work and get a lot of success for it and just do a lot of stuff and making the rest of the industry look bad. And then like whenever I would tell somebody that I'm a broadcaster, they'd go, oh, you're a broadcaster. And they do like a phony voice and be like, ah, oh, you have a great voice for broadcasting. I go, yeah, well, this is how I talk on the air, though. Like, I don't put on a fake voice. I don't put on fake accents or fake voices or, you know, I mean, I'll do bits sometimes like I've done bits or I make fun of uh, the, this kind of stuff. That's one thing to do parody and satire. It's another thing to actually go on the air and, and act like that. But anyway, so I, I guess just to give you an idea of how bad this industry is, and that's why we're doing this really, I'm doing it just because I can't stand this business and it's time to really expose some of the uh, inside stuff about it and just show you how bad it really is, even at the supposed top level, the major league level, if you will. But I just want you to hear some of the bad radio that's out there. So this is from one of my particular favorite targets, 102.7 KISS FM and on air with Ryan Seacrest. That was, that's uh, Ryan Seacrest has a morning show. And uh, I don't know if, if the morning show itself is syndicated, but I know that he has a syndicated show where he takes some of the interviews that he does with these celebrities, some of these scary interviews where you ask him, like, what's their favorite color and what's their favorite food? And those kind of interviews get syndicated around the country. But I don't know if the morning show itself is syndicated. I don't think it is. So this is him in L.A., one of my personal favorite targets because he's so bad. Talk about a guy that hasn't even paid his dues in the radio business and they handed him a morning show on a major radio station. That's what Ryan Seacrest is. And you should hear some of the dumb bits that they do. Ugh. Well, you'll hear about it now because here's a sweeper to tease an upcoming dumb bit that they're going to be doing on his show. Listen to this. 650 shout out. You want in? Call now. 1-800-520-1027. You're on air with Ryan Seacrest on 102.7 KISS FM. All right. See, now that's just an example of, first of all, I, that's a terrible voiceover person. You're on air with Ryan Seacrest. The last word of every sentence has the exact same inflection. The 650 shout out. You want in? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, that voiceover. That, I've heard that voiceover on tons of different stations, that chick. That is one of the worst voiceovers in this, in this business. Women voiceovers can really be sexy and they can really be cool. That is not one of them. Oh, my God. That is awful. The 650 shout out. Now, there's a, there's a great bit that Ryan Seacrest does. Basically, listeners call up and they shout out. To whoever talk about, oh my God, I would, I would blow my brains out if I had to do that kind of radio. I'm not kidding. I would go home and I, if, if a program director said, all right, now we want you to, I want, we, we want, we want to get the listeners involved in the program. What we want you to do is, uh, we want you to do the 650 shout out. I'd be like, all right, uh, let me just go in the other room and take some cyanide and I'll be right back. Here's the 650 shout out. From Ryan Seacrest. Right on, dude. Thank you. Let's go to Valerie in Anaheim. Valerie, shout it out. Hi, I'd like to make a shout out to One Direction now, and I want to know if Ellen gave the Baron letters to One Direction. What the hell did that caller just say? Hey, 
One Direction, I guess, is some boy band. It's like another version of the Backstreet Boys, one of these, you know, boy bands that all the chicks really like. And then it turns out that probably, I don't know this to be true, but they're probably all gay. Just like, you know, some of the people in the Backstreet Boys or 98 Degrees or NSYNC or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Or New Kids on the Block, one of the original boy bands. But the the people that call up and they shout, I guess she's shouting out to One Direction. This is why this bit is so stupid. It's like 12-year-olds that call up and they shout out. Kids don't even know how to talk today anyway. And then you put them on the phone and they get so excited because they're talking to Ryan Seacrest, which I know would make me excited. And now they're giving a shout out to One Direction, who I guarantee you, I guarantee you, they are not listening. They are too busy getting, uh, you know, getting laid by all their groupies on the road. Hopefully they're all of legal age. I have to hear that again. I wonder what that chick said. Let me see if I can interpret what this chick says. Here we go. Let me see. Hi, I'd like to make a shout out to One Direction, Ellen. I want to know if Ellen gave the Baron letters to One Direction. Something about One Direction. She wants to know if somebody did something to One Direction. I, I don't know. What is uh, uh, something about a bear? I heard bear. I heard a, I distinctly heard that in there. All right, let me just continue with this. I, I, I really, I went through, I didn't really listen to much of this audio. I, I, I just rolled um, like a couple of hours worth of audio from the Ryan Seacrest show. I, I recorded it and um, I haven't really scrutinized this. So let me see. Give the, I'm sorry, the what? Even, even Ellen doesn't know. Ellen is the co-host. I know that. Ellen's the co-host for Ryan Seacrest. She used to be the co-host for the Rick D's morning show. Let me see. The bear and letters to One Direction. Gave the, I'm sorry, the what? The bear and letters. The bear oh, and the letters. bear and the letters to One Direction. We're going to give them to them when they're here with us. Oh, uh, okay. I see. So the listener, here we go. So the listener, uh, uh, some listener, some chick, uh, like 12-year-old listener sent in bear, uh, like a, a teddy bear, I guess, and some letters to give to One Direction. You can only imagine how, how good those letters are. Dear One Direction, I'd really like to hold your hands. <laughs> you know, it's probably stuff like that. I I have such a crush on you guys are so cute, LMAO. Because that's how kids write now. Can't even have a conversation. LOL, I bet the letter actually says, LOL, you, you, the letter U, guys with a Z, R, the letter R, so with 93 O's, hot. Exclamation point. LMAO. <laughs> These are the listeners. And they're giving shit. And you can't even understand what they're saying. And uh, they gave a bear. No yeah. And Ellen's sitting there going, oh, Jesus Christ. She probably has got a scotch in her hand as she's doing this. She's probably like, uh, yeah, we're going to give them to them when we see them. When we do an interview with One Direction. Because we really want to do that. We're grown adults. We really want to do a, an interview with One Direction. I'm sure that's like when they started their radio careers, I'm sure that's what they envisioned doing was interviewing One Direction. <laughs> and like, she's like, oh yeah, the bear and the letters. You mean the one of the millions of things that listeners sent for us to give to One Direction, all the things that we threw in the garbage? You mean all of that stuff? Yeah. We'll, oh yeah. We're going to give them to them. 
Sure, sure we are. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. We pass it on. Oh, yeah, we'll pass it on. Just like when you call a radio station and you ask them to play a request, they'll go, yeah, we'll get that right on for you. Meanwhile, they have no intention of playing it because they have a playlist. They have a pre-selected bunch of songs. And if your song just happens to play, it's not because they put it on for you. It's because it just so happened to be on the playlist at that time. Are they going to be here? Yeah. Well, the next time that they're here, she'll pass it on, which I'm yeah. sure when they're coming. But. You know, Harry just landed in London, and I'll tell you all about it in the sleaze coming. Yeah. It's, okay. it's hard to okay. get them in one place, but believe me, we're working on it. Okay. okay. Well, the letter that Niall has... um. I, I left it at home, so I wrote him a really quick one. So if he, I'm sorry if his letter is short. So okay, I have it at home. Oh my God, what is she talking about? I know I'm not really with it. I know I'm out of the loop when it comes to what 12 year olds are into. Okay, especially 12 year old females or whatever, however old she sounded like she was about 12 or 13 or 14. All right, I know I'm out of the loop. Okay, I don't have kids. I don't have a 14-year-old girl. So I, I really can't keep up with it. I get it. But Ryan Seacrest doesn't have any kids either. So what the hell? Like, how are you supposed to understand what these kids are talking about? Like, she said, I, I wrote a letter, but I left it at home. I don't know if it's going to get in. Like, what is she even saying? I would be like, what? I remember one time. I filled in for Tim Clark, who used to host a show on our network back in the day called uh, Extreme Weekends, all right? And uh, he had it, it was even on a terrestrial station, and I filled in for him. And he had his uh, toll-free number forwarded to my number here. And so I took calls, and I did the whole thing, and it was like a four-hour show. And I remember some people would call up, and, I, and I, I would do my very best. I swear I did my best job that I possibly could filling in for him. And, you know, it was a music-based show, but there were bits and there were things that you talked about and all sorts of that kind of thing. And I, I just did what I do. You know, I did my show. I, I talked the way I normally talk, but I tried to, you know, make it a little bit younger and stuff. All right. And I played a lot of the bad music that he played and, and that kind of stuff. But some of these listeners would call up and I swear to Jesus, I had no idea what they were talking about. I really didn't know. I... They would say stuff and I'd be like, okay, man, that's cool. And I'd hang up and I'd go, what was that? So I know I'm out of it. But this is good radio. The 650 shout out. Let me see what else is in here. Let's, let me continue with this stellar piece of radio. All right, Valerie. Okay. Thank you, okay. baby. You take Thank care. You. Bye. Let's okay. go to Lisa in La Habra. Hey, Lisa. Shout it out. You're on with us. I want to give a shout out to my kids, my boyfriend, and especially um, Chris Paul came to the school where I teach. He came on Thursday and he gave presents to every kid in the Come after on. school program. What? Kid, Chris Paul came to your school. Like who the hell? Oh, I, I think he plays for the Clippers. I think Chris Paul. So she's shouting out to her husband and to her kids. Like if I'm another listener, okay, if I'm just your average Joe listener, why do I care what you, who you're shouting out to or who you're saying hello to? How is that? How is, I don't know. All right. And Chris Paul came to, great. Wow. So, yeah. He That's listens. the holiday spirit. We like to hear yeah. it. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. And Nancy, how are you, Montebello? Hi. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Alan. Good morning. Hi. Shout it out. 
I wanted to make a shout out to my son. He, it's his 18th birthday, Gustavo Garcia in Montebello. And I also wanted to make a shout out to Amanda and Lauren, my two daughters. You got it. Thanks for calling. And finally, Gloria, wow. shout that, out. That is so exciting. This is You can see why Ryan Seacrest gets the listeners that he gets. Because this, this is the uh, apex of entertainment. Go ahead. Did we lose her? Oh, we lost. Uh, All right. All we'll right. end on that. Uh, today's quote. If the road is easy, you're likely going the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Fake laughter. If the road is easy, you're likely going the wrong way. And all those quotable things from online. People always post those little quotes. And uh, The last thing I need is a morning show with, uh, if the road is easy, you're likely going the wrong way. No, it probably means that, you know... Th- Life generally is is hard. If the road is easy, it means that life is actually cutting you a break. Oh, everything that's wrong with morning radio is is exemplified in this one clip. Check in with the girls' varsity basketball team at Sacred Heart School no. in Covina no, for no. the show. What's up? Hello, Brian. Uh, We're the girls' varsity basketball team at Sacred Heart School in Covina. What? Hey, it's Ileana. I want to give a shout out to my mom, my friends Ashley, Natalie, and Victoria, and all my girls on South Hills FC. Love you guys. I want to give a shout out to all my girls at South Hills FC. I'm exhausted from this. I could, I, I will give it up to Ryan Seacrest. I couldn't do five minutes of this kind of radio. I, I, I swear, I swear on my father's ashes, I couldn't do five minutes of this radio. I really couldn't. I don't know how you do that. Like, I can come in here and talk about politics. I can talk about corrupt people. I can talk about teachers having kids touch their feet and make fun of that and, and make fun of bad radio. But I cannot do that kind of radio. That is the... I can't. I physically couldn't do... I would throw up or I just wouldn't be able to. I don't know how you put on a phony voice and get phony excited for the junior varsity girls. But what was that again? Let me play this again. Oh, I don't that even... Was What's up, Ryan? We're the girls varsity uh. When Marconi invented the radio, do you think he envisioned this is what would happen to it? Hey, it's Ileana. I want to give a shout out to my mom, my friends Ashley, uh-huh. Natalie, and Victoria, and all my girls on South Hills FC. Love you guys. All right, now let's get it in gear. You guys ready? Oh. Okay. Go, fight, win, go, Wait a minute. What was that noise that Ryan Seacrest just made there? I, he was like something was gurgling in his throat, like he had chewed part of a bagel and it got stuck in his throat. And it was <laughs> what was that? Love you guys. All right, now let's get it in gear. You guys ready? <laughs> it sounds like he's drowning. Wow. I, I couldn't do that. If I tried to make that noise, it'd probably the same thing would happen, or I'd just throw up. That's the <laughs> that's the sound I'm making as um, as I'm jumping off the 405, and I'm ending it right there because I just did morning radio on Kiss FM, and I talked to a 13-year-old about the bear and letters that she left for One Direction. I never applied. Well, I shouldn't say I never applied for a job like this because I, I actually did. I, I did apply for morning jobs like this. 
this would be why I didn't get them because I'd go in there and I'd be enthusiastic about the job and I'd say, oh yeah, uh, I'm really excited to be here and be part of the team. And then the program director would ask me, well, what kinds of things could you bring to the table for the boarding radio show? And I'd say, well, and then I'd give them the bits that I'd want to do. And I'd say, listen, I'm going to bring something different. I have something unique in mind. I'm not going to do what every other morning show does. I'm not going to do Battle of the Sexes. I'm not going to do War of the Roses. I'm not going to do the whatever, the shout outs. And I'm not going to do uh, all the other stuff, the celebrity sleaze or the daily dirt or the whatever bits. You know, I'm not going to do all those dumb, hokey radio bits. You know, I might do some some bits, but they're going to be a little bit different. And I'm going to go on the air and talk like a human being. And that's what I'm going to do. See, I know what they wanted me to say. They wanted me to come in there and go, you know, I think radio is all about building the community. And I think the best way to build a community is to have interaction with the listeners. And we're going to have them shout out to one another. We're going to really get the listeners involved, make them feel like they're part of the program. And I want to do a lot of contests. I want to get out there, get get in the station vehicle and get out there, get out of the streets, man. Beat the, pound the streets and really get the station's name and branding out there and integrate social media into the whole thing. And uh, and I'm gonna I want to go out there. We're gonna do some great revolutionary bits. I'm gonna do battle of the sexes, and I know. Oh, but, but I'm gonna do it differently. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you exactly how, but I got I got a couple of surprises. Get a couple of little tricks up my sleeve because I'm very market savvy, and uh, I understand the the nature how how it is. Uh, what you need to do to get ahead of this market? What you do is you just go in there. And you throw around a bunch of buzzwords back and forth. It's it's like uh, you, you have this uh, you have the buzzword football, and you toss it back and forth between you and the program director or whoever is interviewing you for the job. And whoever, whatever applicant can go in there and throw out the most buzzwords is going to be the guy that gets the job ultimately. My problem was. I wasn't going to sit there and throw out all the buzzwords. I was just going to tell you what I was going to do. And I'm going to tell you that I, I know what I'm doing. I know how to win in this market. I know how to beat the competition because I always listen to the competition whenever I applied for a job in morning radio or whatever. And uh, that would impress the program because they go, oh, well, you're very familiar with our competition then. I'd be like, yeah, I am. And uh, they're terrible. They do the same bad bits that everybody else does. And here's how we're going to beat them. We're not going to do that. We're going to come on the air and do a show that people actually want to listen to. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, the minute you suggest anything different from the formula, the minute you suggest that you might have an innovative idea, they go, I don't know. I don't know. That sounds a little risky to me. Like, what, what, why is it that we're going to have to take a chance on you? Oh. I mean, this was the problem with a lot of these guys. Not everybody, by the way. Not everybody I interviewed with was like this. But there were some people that were like that in music radio. Now, in talk radio, it was a whole different thing. Um, I interviewed for jobs for, um, like, news producer and stuff like that. And those people, they were nice. But, you know, they had their buzzwords, too. You did have to. And I think mainly the reason I didn't get the jobs there were I, I just didn't throw out all the buzzwords. You know, I'm very enthusiastic about radio. I follow radio. I know radio. I know news. I do a whole program that is devoted to news and talk and all of that sort of thing. Um, I'm probably a lot more savvy on uh, those kinds of issues, political and news talk issues than most of the people that were interviewing me. But, um, you know, the problem is, is that I don't throw out all the buzzwords. I'm a hard worker. I know how to produce a show that people will actually want to listen to. 
And I'm not even talking about this dumb podcast. I mean, you know, I, I, I know how to do radio, but I don't know how to play the game. I will admit that. I've never known how to play the game. I, I, I don't know all the buzzwords. I don't know all the lingo. I just go in there. I think that it's better to just be a real human being when you go on the radio. Just talk to people like you would talk to people. Ugh, going on the air and doing that noise, that that sound that came out of Ryan Seacrest's mouth. I don't know how. Okay. Yeah, how do you do that? How do you do that noise? Like, I, Well, uh, I know what I'm going to bring to the table. Like, if I'm interviewing for a job, the next time I, I interview for a job at a morning show, I'll be like, well, I know what I bring to the table. I bring this. Okay. That's what I bring to the table. I bring that. It just insults the intelligence of the listener. Now, I realize when we're talking about the average Kiss FM listener, we're not talking about the most intelligent person out there. Nevertheless, it sort of insults the entire business. Incidentally, you know that phone call that we played earlier that started out this entire bit, that phone call from Australia? Uh, prank phone calls in the United States are not allowed under the FCC. All right, they're not allowed. You can't do a prank phone call like they did on the air in the United States because... The parties have to know that they're being pranked. If you're calling them live on the air, you have to tell people that they're on the air. Otherwise, um, you're subject to fines and it's just not worth it for a broadcaster. So um, when, whenever you hear a supposed live prank phone call on American radio, you know it's a farce. You know it's, that it's a totally fake call and the person on the other end is an actor. Either somebody at the station or somebody they hired or it's a service or whatever it is. You know that it's a, a phony thing. Now, if it's done off the air, you can make the prank phone call, but then afterwards you have to get the person's permission in order to use it. It was probably about five years ago that that went into effect from the FCC where they put the kibosh on on-air prank phone calls. So if, so if ever you hear it, it's either an old call, it's a fake call, or it's something that they did off the air and they got permission to use it later, but the chances are that most shows don't even do that. It's just bad acting typically. So I just thought I would point that out. And again, we're just pulling the curtain back a little bit on, on radio and exposing some bad radio to you. Speaking of bad radio, here's more from On Air with Ryan Seacrest. I don't know why we're playing more, but why not? This is the kind of stuff, this is what morning radio has been reduced to. And this, I just want to point out again, this is the number two radio market in the country. All right. This is supposedly the major leagues where people in this business aspire to get to. And this is the kind of radio that's on in that market. Here we go. 60 seconds of sleaze. Oh, 60 seconds of sleaze. So this is where they do some celebrity gossip thing where they talk about, oh, the big uh, celebrity gossip news. What's going on? And of course... They relegate that to a woman. So the woman on this show, Ellen, I guess is her name. Ellen is the one that winds up doing the celebrity gossip. That's the other thing that radio does that's insulting. They take women and they, they make them uh, the, the, the obligatory celebrity gossip person or the person that does the weather or the traffic. Um, and generally, you listen, a lot of women that are on the radio are terrible and I, I'm being, I'm not trying to be sexist here, but they, the radio business grooms women to be terrible. They tell you, the program director brings you on to be a nice voice or on the station website to be something to look at or something that, that at least sounds good on the radio. 
and to bring in the female demo. And they want you to be a particular personality. They want you to be the um, the anchor to the show and just sort of be, um, you know, the, the person that talks celebrity and, and brings in the female demo. So they they specifically try to find a particular type of person, a submissive type of person that's, oh, stop it. A, a real... Um, you know, uh, oh God, like somebody that grounds the show and, and keeps everybody from getting too edgy. This is the kind of stuff that radio does. So in this particular case, though, the woman here on the Ryan Seacrest show, she is a person that she's, I guess, relegated to be a laugh track and she's there to do the celebrity gossip. So, uh, so here we go. 60 seconds of sleaze. All right, Ellen's got the sleaze for you. A famous blonde needs a bigger nest, apparently. <laughs> and if the rumors are true, then Jessica Simpson will soon have a new baby to her household. And in preparation... Like, who cares about this? Honestly, if you're listening, why would you care what's going on in Jessica Simpson's life? Is that important? Does anybody really care? Do the listeners of this... Do, I don't care. And again, I know I'm not an 18 to 34-year-old female, so I wouldn't get it, I guess. But supposedly 18 to 34-year-old females think that this is just super important. Jessica Simpson is having a kid. Okay. True, then Jessica Simpson will soon have a new baby to her household. And in preparation, perhaps, um, it seems uh, she and her husband are spotted house hunting. So they're looking for something a little bit bigger. They, If they have another baby, they're going to need another bedroom. So the house they're not in right, the house that they're in right now is not big enough. So they're looking around. Okay, we get it. You've mentioned it. You've talked about it every way. Uh, they're house hunting. They're obviously they need an extra bedroom because the house they're in right now doesn't have that extra room. So therefore, they're out house hunting for an extra bedroom. You know, I, I realize I do that sometimes. I overexplain a story. Uh, but when I hear somebody on the radio, when I hear a supposed professional in market number two doing that, uh, it just makes me sick. So the house they're not in right. The house that they're in right now is not big enough. So they're looking okay, around. Okay, we Pacific get it. Palisades. Mm. And it is finally happening. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt picked up their wedding rings. They're getting oh, ready for their big day. Cares? Brad Pitt said on a red carpet recently that the time is getting very, very near. And uh -huh. someone went and picked up those rings from Neil Lane. Yeah. Celebrity jeweler to the stars. Uh, the vans arrived at the Jolie Pitt home just a day after Brad made it clear that he would be getting married at the request of their children. Can you imagine somebody comes up to you at work and says, hey, did you hear that uh, that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are getting married? Like, I thought they already were. I didn't even know that they weren't. Like, I, I don't know. I don't follow it, so I don't really. Somebody walks up to you and says that to you at the office, and I would turn around and I'd say, yeah, so what? Hey man, I'm just trying to do some work and trying to get paid so I can put food on my table. So I don't really care what multi, multi millionaires are doing right now. Go screw yourself. That's what I would say to the person at the office. I mean, I would though, because like, why is that important? Like, who cares? That he would be getting married at the request of their children very soon. I think we're standing by for that sleaze where you yeah. tell us it's happening on Christmas Eve. Can't wait. Oh, is that it? I, no, I'm just saying we're standing by for something like that. That'd be romantic. Want more? KIISFM.com. Keyword sleaze. Keyword sleaze.
terrible voiceover. It was that that was the big payoff. Hold on, let me re- because I, I missed it. I missed what the big payoff there was. Of their children very soon. Let me let me go back. The here. Stars, uh, the bands arrived at the Jolie Pit home just a day after Brad made it clear that he would be getting married at the request of their children very soon. Oh, the the kids, I guess, requested that they get married. What kids care if their parents? Hey, mom and dad, we think you should get married. Yeah. <laughs> Really? Uh, okay. I think we're standing by for that sleaze where you yeah. tell us it's happening on Christmas Eve. Can't wait. Oh, is that it? I, no, I'm just <laughs> saying we're standing by for something like that. That'd be romantic. Want more? KIISFM.com. Keyword sleaze. And be caller 102 right now. 1-800-1027. Oh, a contest. Call right now. Please hold. Ryan's holiday must-haves. With a Kohler Moxie shower head and wireless speaker. It's the first of its kind and takes accessibility to a whole new level. Combining the delivery of water and music to simultaneously soak bathers with sound and a best-in-class spray experience. The best-in-class spray experience. That's what they're giving away. They're giving away some shower head and, uh, and speaker system. Wow, it's a big prize for a big market. Best-in-class shower experience. I'm a voiceover person. Call right now. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, everything is wrong with this. Okay, I'm just getting upset. This is just making me mad. This is just making me really dislike the radio business um, a lot more. Because this, again, this is like one of the biggest stations in the country. Kiss FM in Los Angeles is one of the biggest stations in the country. I don't know how Ryan Seacrest's ratings are. They're probably good enough to keep him on the air. Beyond that, I really have no idea. But all I know is that I hear this and I'm thinking to myself, I wish somebody would put on a show that just didn't suck. And I'd love to tell you that there's a lot of great radio out there, but we're going to play over the next, I don't know how long I want to stick with this bit. I'm not going to do it every show, okay? I'm not going to run it into the ground that way. But from time to time, we're going to look in on different radio shows across the country, different bits from big markets and small markets. And you're going to see just how bad radio here in the U.S. And maybe even we'll go outside the U.S. just to see. Maybe we'll take a look at uh, some more Australian radio or Canadian or, I don't know, French or German, whatever. We'll go to outside the U.S. also. But uh, just, just to give you an idea of how bad radio is across the world. And there's only a few people that do it well. And I've mentioned those people on the air before. There's only a few shows out there that actually get it, that don't have to go on the air. And not everything has to be a shtick. Not everything has to be a bit. Not everything. Sometimes you can just get on the air and have a real conversation about stuff. Not everything has to be sandwiched in between these bad songs. And and I feel bad because I know some of the people that do this on the radio, I know some of them would much rather be doing more honest radio and they'd rather be just talking about what's going on in their lives or just ranting about something or, and being honest and open and having real conversations. And I know that program directors and general managers in the business itself sort of pushes people in a specific direction. And that's why, in a way, these two Australian idiots, I almost kind of feel bad for them because I know that a program director probably brought them into his office and went, you know, I think you'd be really edgy if you guys did a phone call. Like, I'm sure, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm sure that because it has happened, Maybe a program director brought him into his office and said, hey, I got an idea for a great radio bed. This is what you guys should do. That happens too. They push you to be even more edgy. And then as soon as you do something that's a little too edgy, then of course those people that pushed you throw you right under the bus. Well, we don't condone. 
Hey, we wanted them to uh, to be entertaining and engaging and even edgy, but this was just way over the line, and we're not going to tolerate that here. Yeah, here at Kiss FM, you know, the uh, this is the kind of radio that is just uh, it's not it's not market friendly. It's not friendly to our target demographic, and we just like to apologize for that. These two radio people, uh, this Mel and Michael Christian in Sydney, they apologized, incidentally. They violated the other cardinal rule of radio. Never apologize for something you do on the air. Even if you were in the wrong, never apologize for it. Never admit guilt because it pretty much means you sink your radio career. Don't ever come out and apologize. Because first of all, you already did the bit. So the apology means nothing. We already know. The only reason that you're apologizing is because people got upset and that there's a controversy. You wouldn't have apologized for it otherwise. So to apologize for it later is a meaningless gesture. Also, what it means is, is you're not even brave enough to stand by your bit. If you do something on the air... Don't apologize for it unless you actually feel bad for what you did and unless you actually feel that something was done wrong, which you clearly don't because, well, because um, you did it and you didn't apologize for it right away. And honestly, until there was a lot of pressure, you didn't come out and apologize. And then, you know, what happens is program directors and, and people in upper management and radio are the worst for this. They'll have you apologize and they'll say, listen. We're gonna we'll we'll stand by you and we'll let bygods be bygods if you go out there to apologize. And then as soon as you go out and apologize, then they'll say, All right, we'll see, there you go, you got your pound of flesh. Now you're fired. Then they fire you. Or somebody higher up in the company fires them as soon as they apologize. Because a, a, an apology is an admission of guilt, which means liability, and that means the station is gonna catch a bunch of crap for it. So don't ever do that. Don't apologize for something, especially something that you don't think you did wrong in the first place. Oh, it's such a big, big no-no. Oh, well. well. Look, we have more from Ryan Seacrest's uh, show here, but I, I just don't even think we need to play anymore. I think that pretty much speaks for itself. I get so mad listening to this because I just think, oh, it's such phony radio. It's so bad, but whatever. I know there's a market for it. Somebody's going to message me. Mike, there's a market for it. People like that sort of thing. They like it when you go on there. The next time we do this, the next time we do this, we ought to talk about um, who else is really, really awful in the business. Scott and Todd. There's another bad morning show. John, Jay, and Rich from uh, locally here in uh, Phoenix. That's another awful one. They all do the same bits, though. I mean, to some degree. Everyone has their own variations of the bits. But we'll talk about... Oh, and um, we'll, next time we do this, we'll, we'll talk about prep services. People use show prep services, like uh, there's one called Prep Burger. There's another one called... Um, oh, it's been around for 20-something years now. There's various services that you can use where they provide you with stories, like outrageous, wacky news stories, and then jokes to go along with it, and people read those jokes. And then parody songs. So people don't even spend time writing their own material anymore. They use prep services. 
I don't think Ryan Seacrest does that, but there are a lot of hacky morning shows across the country that do. We'll talk about that and more next time we uh, focus in on a particular show. We ought to make a regular thing about it because I just want to destroy this industry. I want people to know what's really going on. All right, Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. That is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything else Michael Groff related, it is MichaelGroff.com. While you're there, you can leave your comments, questions, suggestions, all your feedback on this or any other podcast of ours. You can check out the Twitter feed. You can check out uh, a lot of other stuff that goes on there. Plus, you can make a donation to this program. Always encouraged that you make your donations, your most generous contributions to this program. All of that can be done at the one and only MichaelGroff.com. Thank you so much for listening to a show that tries desperately not to be the same old hacky, shticky morning show that you get everywhere else. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Good night, everybody. Bye.